Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everybody. It's Marsha, and we are having a great show today. Uh, I wasn't scant. I was supposed to be having another show next week, which I will be having on Tuesday. I have switched the days a little, but I will decide one way or another if it's Tuesday or Thursday, or as we know, I've been many times at eight o'clock at night. Three, so I, it's on demand, so anybody can hear it whenever they want. And today we have a great show. Kristen Lindley Hager's on, and uh, she's going to introduce herself and tell you a little bit about herself. We have had some issues, as I think I stated in the last show, on uh, echoes, but I don't think I hear one now, so I think we're going to be in the clear. So, and we'll go on with our show. Kristen, how are you doing? Hey, Thank you so much for doing the show again. It's been a while, it's been a few weeks, and uh, so yeah. tell everybody what you're up to. Well, thank you for having me on again. It's good to be oh, back well. with you. I have um, relaunched my middle school series, Landry True Color series, um, for preteens, or as I call them, tweens and teen, young teens. And I'm really excited about that. And the uh, third book, Paperback, will be coming out shortly. And it's just exciting to see these books, you know, updated. Um, the story content is updated the covers, and it's really fun seeing, like, you know, a new wave of kids reading these books again. That's always a good thing when there's new people, you know, reading, especially with kids, you know, to keep them. You know, listen, it's hard to write for young adults because it's a difficult audience, but it's a great audience if they like your books. Because then Yeah, and it's a, okay, it's a lot of fun, too. Yeah, and I think, you know, a lot of, I haven't had that many you know, young adult shows, which I keep saying we should have, and we probably should have this. So I think maybe we will do this soon. You know, you you probably know some young adult authors that might want to come on. And I think it's it's a really good market, but a lot of people right now are in the same market. They're in erotic, they're in horror, uh, but we always need young adult books because those are the people coming up in the world. So I think in the messages that you write are good, which is what they need. Yeah, it, it's it's fun, too, seeing some of the kids as they grow up and they stay in touch and stuff, too. And it's just, it's really cute, you know, seeing them throughout the different stages and everything. And, I don't know, it's just kind, kind of fun to be able to see that. Yeah. Do you get do you get people writing you at all? I mean, I know you used to go to school, mm-hmm. but now you don't. Yeah, I, I I do. Sometimes um, a parent will um, send a message through my website, and then they'll, they'll include the kid's message. Um, so that that's really sweet. Sometimes they'll say, you know, this is what the kid said, or sometimes they'll say, oh, she wanted to write to you, so, you know, here here's her message and stuff like that. And so, and I do prefer when it goes to the parent that way, too. Um, and, yeah, yeah, sometimes when you, if you go to you events and stuff like that. I remember when I was I went to a grammar school and I I had I don't know I had like six or seven classes and it was like twenty minutes just kept going and going so I got in one the last class and so one of the little girls says oh he goes she says can you know I'm going to give you my number you can call me so I went like no I don't think you should get your number because I was you know <laughs> you know they, they wanted me to call parents and talk to them you really can't do that you know and so I, I was it was thrilling to hear that she wanted to talk to me but on the other hand I didn't want her to give me my her number because I don't think kids should do that you know but it was kind of cute mm-hmm. you know but I didn't take her number. I know that that's okay you know and I, so I mean because that's the truth you have to be careful in this was in younger 
you know, in a, a younger group. And that's one of the things that I think the schools need to do more of is having mm-hmm. authors. You know, because I think just like we're talking, I think I think kids, you know, that are out there, young adults and the young ones. I I went with the young ones with my, you know, the smaller uh, kids because it was just the books that I wrote. I haven't been out except when I used to go with Sarah for the to the Holocaust Museum. I would be out, but I haven't been out in a long time, and a lot of people aren't. The schools aren't having people, but it is so much fun. You know, to meet people, and you know, a lot of times in the schools, the parents would know you're coming, so they buy your book. You know, and then the kids would ask questions, and the kids are really—I mean, these are this is what the world is going to be. The kids growing up, so we have mm-hmm. to care about that. You know, and that's the part I do miss—is going to the schools at all. And I was going to do book signings, but there aren't a lot of places around here that are having that anymore. What about? I mean, you don't go anymore out. To this since COVID, I don't know what they have. Yeah, they've had very few. I did a couple that were um, Zoom events, which is really nice because then people all over could, you know, jump in and um, watch. Like sometimes they would have like a panel discussion, yeah. which is really good. I always like those panel discussions because um, sometimes when you do, you know, the events in person and stuff, some people aren't comfortable going up and they might want to ask no, right. a question, but they don't feel comfortable. You know, that's one other yeah. thing I do. Sometimes when I've done events like that, I know that I was always the kid that wanted to ask a Like, now I'll stick my hand up. I have no problem. But yeah. as a kid, I would want to ask a yeah. question, and I would try to mentally share that question. Well, yeah, and I would because, kind you know, of like sometimes you think, oh, maybe I shouldn't ask this question. Maybe they won't have an answer for it. You know, when, especially when you're a kid, you know, it's you're thinking of things a lot differently than you do as an adult. You know, but mm-hmm. I do want to talk about a few things that we talked about that you've been doing, and you joined um, a group that you're having um, a class that you're taking. You want to talk a little bit about that? Could sounded interesting. Yeah, it's called uh, Spark Your Creative, and it's from a creativity coach and um, Spark Your Creative, and it's basically doing the morning pages from the Artist Way with Julia Cameron. Um, but th- this particular way of doing it, they've brought on um, different, like, uh, prompts. So normally, what um, if you're not familiar with morning pages, you get up and first thing in the morning, you go and you write um, three pages longhand, um, and you go through and you just, whatever is on your mind. It's basically like some people call this a brain dump, and it's uh, just a great way to clear your mind and um, the, the uh, Spark of Creative Coaching, uh, Sharon Burton, is the one that is, um, I'm doing this with for 14 days. And, um, but she also offers a prompt if you need something. And um, it's like a form of like self-care. And it can be a great way if you've got something, you know, that you've been kind of, like I always call it noodling on it. Like my grandpa used to always say, use your noodle. So I always talk yeah. to my mom and say, you know, noodle it, noodle on it. You know, I'm noodling yeah. it right now. Um, and then she had a, some really, you know, great techniques and stuff when you do this, um, you know, to, like, look back. Because in the artist's way, Julia Cameron always talks about, like, you can throw the pages out and stuff like that. And um, But she mentioned keeping them to, you know, go back and look over 
and see if there's, you know, any kind of patterns that you weren't even aware of, you know, yeah. and stuff yeah. like that and all. And it yeah, was just, people, um, like some people probably doodle the same way, you know, they make, I, I, you know, I think I remember if I was doodling, I, I would draw like a little flower. I think I, I haven't thought about this in years. <laughs> you just brought it up now. But I, you know, I think my mother used to do, she used to have a pad of paper in front of her and she'd be coming out with, you know, a lot of little drawings and things while she's on the phone. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, she was not alive now, but if she would be, because sometimes you are on the phone for a long time now waiting for somebody to come. If you're calling, mm-hmm. you know, Verizon, if you're calling a store, if you're calling anything, it takes forever sometimes to get somebody to answer. So you're just kind of yeah. sitting there waiting to do something. And then you don't want to hang up, because if you hang up oh, no. and you're waiting, <laughs> you have to do it all over again. Oh, yes, I had to wait a couple um Gosh, it was. Uh, I think, I think it's a good hour. I had to wait and for an appointment line thing, and I, I had you know one of those situations where you have to go to the bathroom. What do yeah. you do? And I took a chance and I put the phone down and I just yeah. prayed the whole time. Came back and I was still on hold. I couldn't believe it. I, know. I think oh, it was I ended up being an hour forty five minute wait. It's true. It was just I ridiculous. Know. I had that with the website company, and then the problem is they never told people that they weren't open anymore at night. Finally, after an hour, I went like, I don't think they're here. I really don't. And then when I found out, when I talked the next day, they said, oh, no, we stopped those hours at night. Because I used to call at like 12 o'clock at night. So I was just sitting there waiting and nothing. (laughs) There was nothing that, you know, they put on the same you know, you have the same promo over and over and over again, but you, and if you feel like after you're waiting like 45 minutes or so, you go like, why am I even doing this? And then you figure if you do hang up, you're going to, they'll probably just pick up as soon as you hang up. <laughs> and then mm-hmm. this isn't going to be a good thing. I mean, I think that yeah, I've is had one that of the too. Things. I've had that too where I've called <laughs> where it's been maybe a little, it goes after five and you're still waiting and you wonder if anybody's there. <laughs> See, that would be the thing. So if they are going to be leaving, they should just take the, you know, take down, figure out who's still on or have a message that says we're closed now, something, instead of you're just sitting there because you don't know if they're really going to pick up after five. If it's five minutes after five, maybe they will pick up. But obviously they probably Mm -hmm. don't. They just probably just, that's it. You know, I, I think. You know, but it does get annoying because everybody says the same thing now. Whenever they call anybody, doesn't matter who it is that they're waiting online. Oh, yeah. Doesn't matter. Walgreens, you know, any place you would call, it doesn't matter. You're waiting, and then, and then you have to say the story about four times till somebody finally helps you, and then they tell you <laughs> that you're in the, you've got the wrong department. How's that? I mean, th- those are the things I, I think that people do, and which is, brings me to. I think, you know, people are very stressed now, and I think we've mm-hmm. had shows like that. You and I together have had shows like this a lot, but I think that I'm reading in different magazines and the women's magazines, uh, they're saying, like, you know, give yourself a break, like kind of just have a day for yourself, do something for yourself, because I think over the years, the last, well, it's years now, three years, people, some are going back to work, but there are still people that are home. Mm-hmm. And they can't get out. So I think for them, you know, it's kind of like give yourself like a, a day when you can feel good about yourself. 
because I think that's what's happening to people now. They're not feeling that great. And certainly ones that have autoimmune diseases and people that have, you know, uh, very bad illnesses, they can't go out. So I think for Mm -hmm. them, this has been a real traumatic time. So I think we're in a time like that. And I think for writers, when you just said maybe writers should do something like that, because a lot of writers, they're kind of, they're just, you know, they don't know what it is, but they don't feel the same. Nobody could really say how they, they just can't describe it even. They don't, they just feel it's not, life is not the same. So if they go out, they go out. If they don't, they don't. You know, people used to go out a lot more, like even in the shopping centers. Of course, why would you want to go in the shopping centers? Because when you go, the product you want is not there anyway. You you Mm -hmm. have to, and online, that's what yeah, happens. People and now, really, too, yeah. if you spend any time on Facebook catching up with friends, because in the past, you know, maybe you knew, you know, about 10 different people over, the, you know, and maybe you kept yeah. in touch with three of them. Now right, you right, know right. what's going on in all these different countries, and the one thing yeah. you're constantly seeing. But I think you got dropped. Well, I think she's right now. I think what happened is we just lost her. Christy, call in. <laughs> call in. Okay, so I'm going to talk about a few little things here. Um, I'm revamping a book uh, with a new cover because I've been listening to a lot of people on different shows talk about, you know, why their books aren't selling and if they need to change things up. Here she is again. Yep. I think she's here. Yep, there you are. You were lost. I don't know what happened. Get disconnected. Sure, so I, my life. I got lost. Yep. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Aren't we all? Right? I was talking about, you know, uh, people changing their covers on books and doing different things. You've done that a lot. I mean, you know, so that's a hard, I think a lot of people are frustrated doing that. And that's one of the things that does frustrate people because as writers, a lot of us, we have to do all this marketing and things that we really don't want to do. We want to write. And, and yeah. so you've had to redo some of your books, which is stressful, as you know. You know, so I mean, you're happy now though because you've done what you wanted to do with your company. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. a lot of people that are listening, you know, I sometimes people say, "Oh, why do you need a new cover?" But it does sometimes spark the attention of different people. Mm-hmm. You know, and and as you said, and certainly in your market, you're getting the young adult type. They're growing up, and then the newer ones are coming in. So they don't know it's new, but sometimes different colors, different patterns. I think that's what a lot of people have been doing, a lot of authors. They're just changing up the cover because sometimes if just that's all a person need, all a person or author needs, actually, to make themselves feel like they've done, they're trying to get a different audience. And sometimes it works really great. Yeah, and sometimes, I mean, it can sound weird to say because, I mean, you're the one that wrote the book, but sometimes over time you realize how the book is being perceived might be a little bit different than you realize. They might take in a little bit more of the lightheartedness or a certain aspect of the book will, you know, speak to people more than others. And so sometimes you think, oh, maybe the cover should have reflected that a little bit more. You know, you were trying to, you know, get the overall tone of the book and stuff like that. You know, and, and trends change, too, like what becomes popular in um, book covers and stuff like that. And a lot of people make their own now and stuff. Um, but really, cover artists, like I worked with Choreographics on um, mine, 
um, she did the originals for uh, most of mine except for two that were with a different publisher. And but she did the the uh, the new ones for that one too. So um, you know she's aware of what's going on. And most cover artists, you know, if you work with someone that's been in the business for a while and you know has a good track record, you know they kind of know what you know the trends are and things like that and what sells. Because people Especially are having a lot of people are having a lot of trouble with their covers. I mean that really yeah. is you know, uh, and that's you know upsetting to them. But the problem is. Amazon, you have to have exactly the right measurements. You cannot just almost do something. It has to be, and even on audio books, I mean, it has to be exactly right. Or it, you keep getting that where it says put browse, you know, comes and browse, put your cover in, put your cover in, and because it won't work mm-hmm. unless it's the right exactly, and it's not always easy. So there are people that just, you know, I the other day. I asked my publisher, Fidelity Publishing, Robin, you know, because I, I was on another show and people were talking about they were having a lot of trouble and we were discussing things like that. And there are people out there that can help people as far as getting the cover right, putting it on Amazon, because it, it's not that easy. You know, for some it is, but for most it isn't. Yeah. You know, it takes, no, and then people get frustrated. Yeah. You know, and it's and, very hard too because you can't really immediately to a person right away. Oh, I know. That's, that's the other thing. You know, I do think though. I think Amazon. You can talk to them, but it was different years ago. It was easier. You know, uh, now like e- even on you know Facebook, if you have something that you want, have a question, you have to go in to something and then you have to ask. A question and then it comes up with an answer then it takes you somewhere else and it, it could take you like 45 minutes to get an answer that you already knew and didn't help anyway so there mm-hmm. you are i mean i think what's happening now is uh, people are wasting time doing things because i've heard that a lot it's like nothing is as easy as it was so you just have to keep doing it and that probably is another reason people are getting stressed mm-hmm. so, so have you tried writing in the morning to make refresh yourself when you you know as the day begins. Have you tried it yet? I am going. I'm going to be starting it. I'm going to be starting it. Normally, I tend to write in the evening. You know, but um, it was pointed out that sometimes that's kind of like a wrap up of the day. So uh-huh. I think I might do both because sometimes I have a lot on my mind before bed. Yeah. Um, it might, it's very hard for me to fall asleep because there's a lot of thoughts up there. It's kind of like a hamster on a wheel up there. Yeah. <laughs> so I am gonna I'm gonna start doing that in the morning. I'm gonna put um, a pad of paper. Now Julia Cameron in the book, and she also has a program. She talks about um, like you know she drinks cold coffee from the night before. That's how important her morning pages are. She goes to that first. She doesn't even make the coffee. Right. So I'm gonna right. put. Um, a pad of paper yeah, you, here. You, know, you could lose focus doing that even. It sounds ridiculous, but it's true. You can absolutely mm-hmm. lose focus if, you, if you're in the middle of writing and you just even a simple thing like getting a cup of coffee, you can lose your focus. Yes. Because then you go, oh, maybe yeah. I'll turn on the TV, maybe I'll do this, and then it's gone. An hour's gone. So you've missed that whole opportunity because you just started doing other things and you go, oh, I just wanted a cup of coffee, that I guess it's probably not a bad idea just to just get right to it. Mm-hmm. But most yeah. people, 
the crop, so she's drinking cold coffee from the night before. Wow. That's I don't like cold coffee. I, I actually like warm coffee. But I have drink I you know I do drink cold coffee, but I don't know if I could want to drink it from the night before. I don't, that doesn't sound that appealing to me. But I guess she gets the job done then. She just focuses. Yeah, because maybe maybe now with technology, she has something set up where she can you know just go ahead and you know drink the the regular coffee, you know, <laughs> hot and everything. Things now people have those instant taps, so they have instant hot water, and I'm very jealous of those. I don't get jealous of many things, but instant hot water tap, I am jealous of that. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess because you get it instantly. Yeah, I guess that's true. You know, if you're gonna, but you know, it doesn't take that long to make a cup of coffee. I mean, you know, I I really, you know, sometimes I know I drink too much coffee, so I kind of say I'm not going to drink coffee, and then. Morning comes and I do, and the night comes and I still have coffee. But I keep saying, "Oh, I don't need all this coffee." I just I do drink a lot of coffee. I don't know that it, you know, it's the greatest thing, but I think I've heard from a lot of people they do drink a lot, especially writers. Yeah, I'm more of a tea drinker, and I'm going to yeah. admit something that I don't normally admit in public. <laughs> I drink my tea at room temperature. And people so they, always yeah, I think, this, okay. I think some people do that. I do think that. Yeah, I do. I would do that too, because I don't. Well, I don't really like tea, but I drink it a lot because it really does help for my allergies. Something about tea hmm. it does help. If I'm coughing, I mean, just on a regular day, and I'll just drink it. Something about it. I don't know what that is, but it works. But I, if I have yeah. my choice, I take a very strong. Strong, strong Starbucks. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, now in the store, they used to have the Keurig, the small ones. I'm having trouble finding it. I just did find some, so I bought a whole bunch of them because I do like Starbucks. But the people that like Starbucks, they love Starbucks. And the people that don't, they won't drink it because it is strong. Mm. You, you know, I. but for me, I'm not satisfied unless I have Starbucks. It just seems... It doesn't feel like I've even had coffee, and I need that in the mm. morning. I do. I know. It really doesn't. You know, the other brands, and even the Keurig that I have, some of those, I think it may, there's something, <laughs> I don't know, that makes you drink more. You know, because if you're, like, let's say you have a Starbucks. You drink the Starbucks, and you feel you're satisfied. But sometimes with other brands, if it's not strong enough, I need a couple. It does not give me the same thing, even the decaf, mm-hmm. you know, but during COVID, they stopped certain brands, and that, in the grocery store where I go, they stopped that brand, and in the and they have a million other brands, now everything is back to normal, because there were brands, you know, during COVID, you could not get, you know, there was a lot of things, actually, you couldn't get, that's like, not the worst of the things, but that's what happened, now the stores are kind of stocked up pretty good, which is a good thing. You know, but in some ways, people learn to, you know, because I was a person that used to go to three or four places to get things. But with mm. COVID, you just, one was enough. One place was more than enough for me, <laughs> you know, going It was, you know, yeah. and it, it is very hard to look back at that and think about how the world has changed. And, you know, even on my shows, you know, the people that were on, you know, it was just, we used to just go on and it was just so it was the weirdest feeling because like even when you looked out the window you didn't see any traffic 
it was just a strange time. I hope we never go back to anything like that. Because I do think people are feeling better now, though. That's the good thing. Mentally, they're coming back. So I think that's a good thing because I think writers especially uh, were, you know, they didn't go to their favorite places to write. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people do that. I don't. Did you ever do that? I do, where I used to go and just sit I've, there. I've tried. Um, I used to. One, one thing that used to help me was when I was in um, the car a lot, obviously as a passenger, um, sometimes something I would see something or I would hear a song on the radio that I don't, normally listen to and it would spark a memory which would trigger a story idea so i always used to carry a little notebook in a purse in case i had something because that would almost always happen and i don't go on these long drives anymore so i don't do that i don't i don't even keep a notebook in my purse anymore because i just don't do that anymore right um but yeah that was one thing that we used to do once in a while i would um write in a library because i used to meet years ago for like a critique and so sometimes when I would be waiting for the person or something, I would um, write something. Or if we had a break, I would, you know, like write some, you know, a little bit. When I lived in Rapid City, um, one time I was I went to the library there because I used to do a lot of research for my thesis. And I would, um, they had an area, the children's book area, but they also had a teen area. And during the day, there was never anybody in the teen area and stuff. And they had this uh, table right by the window. And it was away from everybody else. And I thought, well, there's nobody here and stuff. And there's a table. And I asked the librarian if she minded if I went there. And she said, no, that's what it's for. And um, so I did, I wrote a short story there. Um, and so, yeah, that was nice. But I really, I can't write with a lot of people around. I can write story ideas a little bit. Sometimes I, like, I hate to say it, but a lot of writers do it. We eavesdrop. And that's one thing I do miss about places <laughs> right, that, you know, right. we're busy and going in busy places. I don't do that anymore is you would hear people talking and you would pick up on different things. Like one well, yeah, time I was... that's how, you know, people, for dialogue, you just, there's, you know, even when I'm listening to a book, like I'll hear, you know, a, a, just some kind of a phrase. And I go, oh, I like this phrase. <laughs> you know, and I just write it down mm-hmm. because I'm not copying their work. I'm just liking that phrase, you know. I mean, that to me gives you just, you know, if you just write a couple words sometimes, you know, I'm kind of the type of person that, you know, like you, I listen. And I think a lot of writers do listen, and this is where we get our characters from. Not just, not exactly, but we hear what they're saying differently, you know, than other people. Like, we notice things. You know, we get Yeah, I was always a real observant child. I would pick stuff up like things that grown-ups would say and maybe at the time I didn't quite know the words to put to yeah. it about what they were saying it wasn't until years later that it like hit me what they were really getting at um, but I would pick up on the way that people would treat each other and I remember um, in this uh, school situation that I was in you know sometimes you would hear like the teachers and administrators and stuff talking and there was one uh, guy in particular the way he would talk I I did I didn't like the way he would talk to some of the teachers and stuff and he was the teacher himself but he just felt he had a little bit more clout and I would really pay attention to and I would think like you know I I just got this feeling that he was kind of putting them in their place to make himself feel better and I mean I was a child you know really young and I kind of picked up on that and now as an adult I see him online and stuff and he's still doing that and now I realize that 
yeah, he's masking something by putting people down to make himself like this inflated yeah. ego. Yeah. But, yeah, I thought, wow, I, I noticed that when I was, like, you know, in first grade, I was picking up on that. I didn't like the way he'd act, you know. And he wasn't, it wasn't anything real outward. He wasn't yelling at anybody or calling anybody names. But I just, I can't, that I just hit me wrong and stuff. But, yeah, writers definitely, you know, observant. And I remember as a kid getting the book Harriet the Spy where she kind of carries a notebook around. And I kind of, I remember kind of liking that idea. I don't remember the book at all except for that notebook part. Right, sometimes right. when I was a kid, I would read a book and I would come up on one part and I'd almost put the book away and go on a different tangent. I would do that with shows too. I don't know if you ever did that where you were watching a show and you'd start imagining how the show would go if you wrote it. Did you ever do that? Well, I'm always sitting there thinking, why didn't they do this? Why didn't they do that? Yeah. Or the ending, you know, sometimes, and I really, when I, the ending is good, I'm so happy. When it's not, mm -hmm. I go like, well, why did they do that, you know? And, you know, that's one of the things that I was talking about with somebody as far as people now writing series or things like that, you know, do when you write a series, I think that's what's happening now, though, because people are writing a lot of series because we're used to watching that now on TV, even though, like, in years ago they had, all these situation comedies, all these dramas, but they weren't one right after another. It was like a week or otherwise then they would be, you know, on vacation for the summer. They wouldn't have any. But now people are used to it. So, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, now it, a lot of people do like, like if you, like I've been doing this. I have, there's this author, Rachel Hanna. I've been listening to her on audio. She has like tons of books, but I'm on this certain series. So I'm glad that she has all the series because I'm used to that. But some people say they don't really want their books to be series. They want one a year or something like that, you know, and they're not used to the fact of doing series. But I think people have been, you know, getting into the habit of liking to hear more about the characters and what mm -hmm. they're doing. And But if you – so if you leave an ending – that is just so-so, and you don't, if you're going to have a series, I guess you can cut it there. But if you're not, I don't think people really like that. I think they like to see how the ending is, you know. I, I do, yeah. you know, because yeah, I'll be long. sitting there talking to the TV, going like, well, what? Why did you do this? Yeah, epilogues have gotten very big, and so I decided when I relaunched uh, Dating the It Guy a couple months yeah. ago, um, that's my YA book about a girl who dates um, this senator's son. Like, he's this popular guy in high school. His dad's a senator. His grandpa was a senator. And basically, he's like a JFK junior type in high school. And people really liked it. And I noticed in um, some reviews when I did uh, tours, people would talk about, like, oh, I wonder what happened, like, in the future. And so since I was updating the book, relaunching it um, a few months ago, I thought, why don't I write an epilogue? Because in my mind, I know what happens to them, you know, because I was planning on writing like a sequel. You know what? Why don't I just go ahead and write? So yeah. I made it further down the line. Like when you meet the characters, you know, she's in high school. He's um, a little older than her, but he's in high school, too. And, I, you know, they're talking about what's going to happen when he graduates. And, you know, he's talking about visiting colleges and stuff. And so I decided in my epilogue to take it down the road where she is graduating from college early. He has graduated. He's working. And what she does, 
you know, how they're still together. And then I take you, you know, into the future more so you see how they ended up and everything. And I, for me, it was like a fun thing. And I thought, oh, I bet, you know, like the, the readers who read it the first time would enjoy it. And I was just astounded how many people really loved finding out how it ended up. And, um, yeah. And what about you know, a prologue? See, what if you have a series? What about a prologue? See, because I rather, you know, uh, I've seen that, and I kind of like that in a way, uh, because some things when you're writing, um, it just they, it doesn't seem to come out in the writing. With a prologue, you just kind of get things over, just to, to get to the nitty gritty of the story, you know. And mm-hmm. so I kind of like that, and the epilogue also because. I do think people, if you're, you know, they like to hear about the characters. Yeah. You know, and so I think that is something people, you know, I don't see a lot of it, but when I do see it, I like it. Especially when I'm listening to it, I like when they tell me about what happened. Yeah, I never thought about it in books, but I love when you're watching a movie and the credits start to roll and then they stop and they show you a little something from the future. Like I maybe the characters have gotten married go six, months, or something. six months later, a year later, ten yeah. years later. I love that. I really do. If they're not going to do anything with it, you know, ever have a sequel or something, I, I like that a lot. Because then I go, oh, that's good. I thought that would happen. But I do think a lot of people do like that, you know. And yeah. I, yeah, and because I think, listen, when we're writing characters, they're like people to us. And maybe, Mm -hmm. you know, in our own writing, we are reaching for things or getting to a goal that maybe we didn't get to. Like some, let's say somebody wanted to be a doctor and they don't, they're not a doctor, but their characters are. So I think through writing, people can establish some different feelings about things they felt that they never got to do. Mm-hmm. And so I think when you write characters, you're really, I mean, I don't think I was this kind of a person before I wrote where I, you know, but I do think since I've been writing so many years already, I do feel differently than I think even my friends feel about a situation because I kind of weigh it out more, which I, I'm sure you yeah. do the same. Don't you think differently than you did about situations? Like we work things out in our heads so much that that is how we do our life, whether we like it or not, you know, because we're conscious of it for through our yeah. writing, I think. Yeah, I've noticed people who, who grew up with me saying that my main characters aren't really how I was at that age. Like there's little glimpses of it, but they're yeah. not like, it's well, not my diary. Well, because you are a different person now. You are a different person. You know, you are who you are now. So, even the things you thought about when you were younger, you've established different ideas, different thoughts than you might have had when you were 15. Yeah, and plus or even 20, like, you know. I mean, I do think that's one of the things that I think I found out about myself a lot of things through my writing. Yeah. Is Let, yeah about my, myself. My I, I think I delve more into how I was as a child, how I was as a teenager, as a younger person, I I do feel that that is what happens through my writing because I think I think about things a lot more than I did when I was young. I, I didn't. I was pretty carefree. You know, it's kind of like yeah. my shows. It's my shows. It's whatever happens. It's kind of like my life, but <laughs> not really, you know, because I just, I think people, 
can step out of the box in different you know, ways. But I don't mm-hmm. think it's good if people push other people to push. Yeah. The, you know, I mean, there's a there's you know naturally you might there's it's a tendency where you want to help somebody that's different. But when you push them too far and they're not comfortable, that's not a good thing ever. I don't think. You know, mm-hmm. I think people should be comfortable with who they are, and that is what happens in life. And I think, as we've talked about on a lot of the shows, is about you know there's young. Young, younger people out there learning things and seeing things that we never really wanted them to see, but now it's out there. So now they have a lot to deal with, all these really young school children. They have a lot of problems to think about that people like at my age and younger don't – we never thought about that in school. But these kids go to school pressured yeah. already. Yeah. And too, when you're younger too, sometimes your even your likes and things are molded by the people around you, you know, yeah. by your friend group. And in yeah. my Lander Tooth Colors story, I deal with that because I have like her leaving one friend group because they kind of turn on her after this competition where she advances and they don't and they stop talking to her on Monday. And she f- tries to find different f- friend groups, kind of find her fit. She's kind of, you know, yeah. find, going around and she adapts to what they're like, the music they like, whatever they're into but it's not really her and that's something I definitely did when I was in grade school and middle school um and I mentioned another show that we did you know like I liked George Michael long after he was putting up albums you know I was still like his number one fan but the other kids in my class were not and stuff and so I pretended to go along with whatever music that they were into and I mean I remember I was thinking about this the other day um sudden everybody got into like a, like older music and stuff it was a, it was a weird yeah. period where everyone was listening to music that their parents would have listened to and stuff and um we went to some event and i think it was with the school or something they were playing all this like pink floyd and one of the girls wanted to buy like the cd thing or whatever and stuff but it was expensive and she was like oh we can all share it you know and everyone was like yeah, yeah okay we'll chip in and i'm thinking i don't care about this but i chipped in and i don't think i ever really listened to it i you know it wasn't my thing well but don't but you everybody else like all of the romantic comedies that you see now like movies and whatever they use old songs they do not use mm-hmm. new songs and i think it's yeah. so funny when all of a sudden the movie starts out and there's a lot like dean martin all these old songs but they seem to do well as a backdrop for romantic comedies and because they yeah. all have them, you know, and um, that's what's so strange is that cultures now in music come together, which is why you see sometimes on the rock shows and even on some of the global, I think the, the awards, the Golden Globe, well, not, the, I think it was the rock awards that were just on, rock music or whatever, the awards, and they were all, they were different age groups singing the same songs. So I think that's mm-hmm. kind of good because it's more or less blending where they never did that before. They yeah. kept it, you know, they were really rocking pretty good. <laughs> like, I think they were, um, I think it was, I think it was Smokey Robinson. I think he came out yes. on the stage and then they had all these people from different age groups and it was really so great because they were just all happy singing the old songs, but 
it, it just sounded new again, you know, and because people oh, were yeah, loving it. Oh, yeah, the Motown it. thing on, on the Grammys, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that was, was a good. Did you see it? Yeah, because it was so good. People were just going, yes. I mean, they were going, like, they kept, you know, and they were, it was a long, it was a long time. It wasn't just like five minutes. It was long, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's what's happening where we didn't see that years ago. We see that now, yeah. and and by the mute, you know. Sometimes I'm watching um, the series um, Midwives. It's there's like it's such it's really good, and I didn't ever think I was going to like it. There's like twelve seasons, but they also did you ever watch it, Midwives? No, I haven't seen that okay. one. It's okay because uh, first they have a uh, before each each episode. There's a, like a little conversation. And there's talking, and then there's no acting or anything. It's just a conversation, and then music comes on. And it's so beautifully written at the beginning of each episode. Really good, and at the end, it's so good. And then in the middle, it's so many. You think it's only about just about midwives. It's not. It's just about personalities. And it's really, really good. And I love it. It's just like every episode is so good, the acting. But it's more than that. It's, and then you're looking at the past in a, such a way, you're going like, oh, my God, when they were delivering babies or they were, it was just really a lot of history of what happened with polio and different things. But you're seeing it from a different standpoint. It's good. Try mm. try try a few of them. You probably, it's, it's on Netflix. It's You know, it's a long Processed. If you have twelve seasons, which is what I did. Twelve seasons. That's a commitment. (laughs) Well, that is right. Well, that's what I did. You know, with several (laughs) during COVID, because it it does take so much time to watch these things. But you know, as an author, and I I do write screenplays, so I think you know I haven't written screenplays. I have twelve of them, but I do love that. So I do love movies. But and you like them too, you know. And there's some really good ones. Yeah, Yeah, for writing. You know, there's something about that. Lately, what I've gotten into, what I've discovered on Netflix is um, movies from Turkey and TV series from Turkey. And I started yeah, watching the, right, I have a lot of friends Paris that are watching those. Yes, yeah. Oh, that one was so good. I, like, I did not want to return to my regular life. I wanted to stay in that world. And uh, now I'm watching The Gift, which is more of a kind of sci-fi, paranormal type thing, which I don't normally watch. It's a departure for me. But um, the script is good. The acting is good. Yeah. The setting. There's something. Yeah. Sometimes you just find yourself in. watching things that are completely different than you thought you would like. You know. Yeah. And but you know there are certain ones like I can write when there's when I'm listening to things, but only things that I've seen before. I can't mm, okay. because if I, I if because it's in the background. I don't I. If it's something I want to, you know, if it's something new, I'd want to watch it. But if it's not, I just like background noise a little, and so it's just something I've already seen. So when I look on the screen, I go, oh, yeah, I knew that was going to happen. That's okay. <laughs> you know, it's a big deal. But there are, you know, and there really are a lot of things to watch for people. I mean, it's that's, that's one of the things that people, you know, some people don't read books as much, and that's why I love audio books because I'm listening but it's a different form for me because I don't read as many books, but I do listen. But some people that are read, reading books constantly, they don't like audio books at all, at all. They just mm-hmm. don't. 
But I kind of, for me, it's just maybe it's because I like to listen to the dialogue because that's important to me. So maybe that's how I, you know, listen to things. And I, and like you just said, it's something you didn't think you were going to like. And that's what I find myself sometimes listening to things go like, I can't believe I'm listening to this. It's really good. But I probably never would have, you know. I, I mm-hmm. don't think I would have, you know. And so I think it's a, such a different world now. So, and I do think that, you know, writers and people can, you know, get to their goals faster if they isn't if they're not so pressured. You know, I think there's a lot of pressure in the world now and so I think that when you're watching T V, when you're listening to music, doing I think that's like therapy for people. I think it's yeah, good. You You've hit on something there because I was thinking to myself when I said about the departure of what I'm watching, I when I watch anything that's close to my genre, like romantic comedies yeah. or contemporary romance or contemporary drama or like they call them dramedies, drama comedy, yeah, right, comedy right. that's kind of what I write. If I watch anything like that, I am thinking about my own work. But if I watch a mystery or like this paranormal yeah, sci-fi right. or like this, um, the Midnight at the Para Hotel is like a time travel drama. Yeah. And it's so different from what I write that I can escape in it. And that's right. why and I'm I think my that's own a good time. thing. Yeah, I think that's probably yeah. good. You know, and I think it's fun to try different things. And I do think, you know, I have a lot of horror writers on the show. And I know I don't always, you know, I don't promote it like as horror writers. I promote it more or less like writers because they write this, they're thinking the same way we do. They just write differently. Same as sci-fi. You know, the process is hard for all of us. And whatever we do to get to where where we have to go, because sometimes, you know, I was I was listening to uh, one of Fran Lewis's shows yesterday, and I think they were talking about that that they don't some people don't use an outline; they just kind of let their characters go, you know. And there's a lot of people that do do an outline, but I think when like on my show, when people listen, I try to give them a lot of different ways that they can go because I have learned over the years so many things from people I have on my show that it's changed my writing a lot you know mm-hmm. but you know I'm still a person that rechecks too much and I'm working on it because I always sit down and yeah. I go okay I'm just going to write and I am not going to think about anything else and I'm going to write I'm not going to go back and just go forward but I do and I don't like that I do that because I think that stops my brain. I think if I'm giving advice to people, I say just go straight through. But I don't do that. And I don't like that I don't do that. I want to. But for some reason, I seem to go back sometimes in what I'm writing. But I think a lot of people are better off if they just go for it. Because sometimes you have to just get to where you're going. And then you can go back. But mm-hmm. sometimes if you go back, you're not going anywhere. And yeah. it's, it's a longer process. That's what I need to change for myself. You know, everybody does have their own way, but, you know, sometimes I do get mad at myself for some of the things that I tell people to do that I don't do. You know, I think oh, like, yeah, okay. I do that yeah. <laughs> because I do think it's better. I honestly do think it's better just to sit there and go straight through to the end. But I don't do that. And I want to do that because mm-hmm. I really think that's the best way. You get more work finished that way. You get less work yeah. finished when you stop and go back. Mm-hmm. Look at and I work. do that too. I go back. I know. Yeah, I know. And I, I really want to stop. 
And I said, next time, as soon as I'm done with this series, this is the third of the series, which I knew was going to, even if it's for a novella, it takes me a year because I have to really know my characters. And I've, that I, when I sit down, I actually really know without notes what they're thinking because I write a lot mm-hmm. of notes through the process. Yeah, I'm like living their life sometimes. You know, I'm in it because I think you do some, something similar. We've talked about this. Sometimes, like, you know, you're writing and you put it away, but then when you're living your life, there are things that come up and you go, oh, yeah, I think Samuel would like that. Or I think, uh, you know, Gracie would say that. And that's what I do. And then I just put that line down. So I mm-hmm. know somewhere, if I, but if I never write it down, it's gone. Once I write yeah, it down, that, on a, even as a note, it stays in my head. But if it, if I don't, it's gone. It doesn't have exactly. to be everything, just a line, just a line. And that will get me to what I'm thinking in. So I, but I do, mm-hmm. you know, give, I do think for advice for people is just go, go straight through and write that book. And then yeah, you can. I've never been able yeah. to do that. <laughs> no, I can't really do it either, but I, I try. You know, and like in this, when when I was doing screenplays, when I got to page twenty five of my screenplay, I go, okay, you got this. But it took me to twenty five. I knew I could get there, but until I got to that twenty fifth page, because you don't need, you only need a hundred. Now you only need like ninety. They do a lot of movies an hour and a half, but and each page is a minute. But I knew when I got to twenty five, I had a story. You know that mm-hmm. I could finish, but and I do think you know I think a lot of these people that I see out there they write so much I just can't be like that I I want to, but I can't. Mm-hmm. You know, I, it just for me it takes me a long time to really reach the goal I need to get to, and I hope I can get there. You know, because this is the third I've not done a series like this, and I feel like sometimes when I'm writing it, am I getting there? Because I did these characters in a screenplay, and these people, I want them to be together. But I actually have realized that might not be. They might not be made to get. Oh, I hate that when you're trying to get characters together and they won't. They want somebody else. Yes, it's so frustrating. It's like, no, this is the boyfriend I picked for you. Right, but they don't get there. And, And I think only writers understand that of each other. I really do. I think mm-hmm. we get that, but because it does sound kind of like, all right, so just don't put them together or put them together. But sometimes it takes a lot to get characters together if you want them together. They have a mind of their own. Yes, they do. And so now after I'm the third book, I'm thinking, well, I don't know. We'll see if she even gets where she has to go or he does. You know, parts of me want them together, but maybe they just can't do it right now which means I have to have a fourth, and I only want to do the three. But I do, you know, a lot of people I have on the show, they have series and series, and they write 100 books, and I, I really don't know how they do it. And I, It's great for them. I just can't. Yeah. But they just do. They just keep, and that's what they do, though. They just keep going. And that is my advice to people if they're listening out there, just keep going. And then you'll get to where you need to go. But when you go back, it does kind of stop you for, you know, because, it, that stops your brain from thinking about the forward and you go back and you sometimes lose out on where you're going. Which mm-hmm. is, you know, I don't know. Aren't you mad at yourself when that happens? I am sometimes. Yeah, I'm, and yeah. I also rewrite <laughs> scenes. 
I know. I replay the scene again and like, you know, and I, I change a little bit here and yeah. there. Yeah, Me too. I, I that's one thing I do a lot. Me too. Because I go like, you know, when I read it back, I go, no, that's not the right words or that didn't really happen. You know, I guess, you know, but I everybody does have their own style. You know. You know, uh, I used to do that as a kid, though, when I was making up stories. I would go back and do the same scene in my head over really? and over. It's like the soap operas. That could be writing for soap operas. They go back the same. They go back. Oh, I, I think I was meant thing. to. I, I think that was my, really my calling because that's how I started as a kid is my mom would have soap operas on. Yeah, me And too. I would act the, the scenes yeah. out with my Barbie dolls. Right. Yeah, because and I think I'm that really. Them, <laughs> I'm watching and I'm going like, why did you do that? Put them this one with that one. But it doesn't always work out. Oh, I hate that. that. I hate that when I'm well, watching the series. Well, they have plenty of time because drunk. they keep going. Yeah. And when, and, you know, yeah. they There's keep going There's nothing more frustrating to me when going. I put the wrong characters together and no. I'm like, no, 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 that is not <laughs> how this works. Well, sometimes it takes them four or five husbands or wives later to go like, oh, maybe they weren't <laughs> all good for me or maybe they were good for me. It's hard to say, mm-hmm. you know. So we're almost at the end of the show. I want, you know, some time left a little bit. What is, what's your plan for your next? What are you going to do? Well, I'm working on the uh, the third Cecily book and the Cecily Taylor yeah. series, which is the one where she dates the uh, pop star. All her dreams come true. She's acting and she's um, modeling and stuff. And so you're going to be seeing more of her. And I'm working on that. And um, I guess I just relaunched the, the Landry books. And yeah. I've got some other stuff that I'm working on right now, too. So, But, yeah, so right now I'm immersing myself in um, all the pop star stuff again, watching, listening to the music and stuff, and to get myself back in the uh, the teen mode and stuff, listening to some songs I liked back in the day, as well as as well as the new stuff. Well, right, because I think you you, you know when you're writing, you do have to sometimes go stretch back or stretch forward, you know, when you're writing to, you know, to get yourself in that mode. Mm-hmm. You know, because. You got to be in the right mood, you know, to be there, you know, because I we all that's how we're writing, because that's how we write it scene by scene. We're there, you know. That's how people write screenplays. I somebody had contacted me that they want me to talk about screenplays, so I think I will be having a show, you know, just to talk about that. But you know, I think that there's so many books out there that could be screenplays, you know, because yeah. the problem is when you get a screenplay, the producers might not exactly like the screenplay. But if it's a book, then they can script writers and figure out what mm-hmm. they need to do. And that, that I think, is probably what happens a lot because you see, like, it's based on a book, you know, what mm-hmm. they do. And I'm sure they add a lot of things in. So, and, you know, that part's good. But I do think, you know, dialogue matters. So I, that's, for me, a big deal. And that's why, you know, and they're not going to read 400 because we were t- talking a couple of weeks ago, Fran was on with this um, author, Steve Manchester, and he was talking about that also, about screenplays and how that is. And, you know, it does, it, you know, it's better if they probably take the book, and but they're not going to read a book that's 400 pages in Hollywood. It, it's not going to happen. They won't. They just, you know, I'm sure there are people that read in Hollywood. I don't mean anything like that, but they, in order to get, to the gist of the story, they don't want, they'd like 200, you know, something like that. And they like novellas mm-hmm. a lot. You know, so I think there's a lot of people writing novellas now. You know, since, you know, 
and especially now on the Vela, which is on Amazon. I'm probably going to have a show one of these days on Vela uh, because there's are a lot of writers writing on Vela. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think it's a great way popular. for authors to, yeah. I have three chapters, and I didn't, the problem is I haven't done any more on that character, so I probably should because I haven't even been promoting it. But I do think people are liking Vela. So that's an answer that I didn't know. You know, we didn't think about that because I was pretty sure when a lot of people came on, we talked about it, they just said they didn't know if they were going to do it. But mm-hmm. I think it has become something popular now, the Vela from Amazon. But yeah. you can't just, like what I did, I just have four chapters, but I have to continue on. You need to continue on because if people get engrossed in what you're doing, they don't want to wait six months for the next chapter. you got to put it out. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a it's a newer thing. So we'll, I, I'll probably have some shows like that. We'll talk about that. And um, but I want people, you know, through this show today to kind of like do your own thing. You know, don't get bogged down by what people think you should do. Because mm-hmm. I think you and I both agree on that. Just kind of you do what you can do, and don't try to be like other people, no matter what your age is. Yes. You have to be have your own confidence and you know, and, and like what you do. Don't and trust and when your you're writing. Yeah. When you're writing you should like what you write. If you're writing and you're not having fun, then your reader won't. Oh, very true. You know. Do you feel like do you, don't you feel happy when you have a great day writing? I do. I go like, Oh yes, this was good. <laughs> this was really yes, good. Yes, I feel like Back to myself, you know, like, yeah. oh, okay, yeah, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah, <laughs> I can do this. But, you know, we all, I think most of us have these days. When we have a good writing day, we know we had a good writing day. And when we have a bad mm-hmm. writing day, we know we had a bad writing day. And yeah. that might not, and whatever we wrote may not be in the book that we're mm-hmm. writing. <laughs> that is common for most of us. That's what we say. That's how writers are. That's why it's so interesting to talk to writers because we basically think about life a certain way and the choices we make. And I think a lot of us, you know, chose different paths and then now we're on this path. So I think it gives you a lot of room to grow as a person. Mm-hmm. And you and you can reach your, your potential through your writing. I think I've changed a lot since I'm writing, and I think I see things a whole, so many different ways, like I had said before. I do. I don't think I would have thought yeah. of some of the things. Do you think you would have thought some of these things until you started writing them? I don't think I would have. I can't imagine yeah, what I would have done. Sometimes stuff comes out, and I'm thinking, oh, that wasn't what I intended, or oh, this is yeah. like, this is the book I'm supposed to write, not the book I wanted to write. But this right. is like, it changes <laughs> as you're going. Right. But I don't think I ever thought like that till I became a writer, you know, where mm-hmm. I thought like that, you know, and sometimes I wonder, I can't even imagine what I would do with all my time if I weren't writing. I can't imagine yeah. that. Because even if I'm not writing, I'm writing in my head. Same here. <laughs> you know, yeah. and only other writers understand that because that's what we do. I could be doing laundry and I go like, oh, you know what? And then I go write, the, you know, whatever I was mm-hmm. thinking. So I think different, you know, it's not the most exciting thing in laundry. But sometimes you can get a good feeling from that. You go like, oh, this is something oh, I, I might not. My characters, a lot of them are rich. Rich. They have limo drivers. People, 
but because I do, I have that a lot in mind. Go, why not? You know, then they have no ish, no problems. And like on the soap operas, they don't talk about they don't have any money. Mm-hmm. They they're all rich in the soap operas. Beautiful clothes. They have all of the things that they want, but they're miserable. So that goes to show you, it doesn't you don't have to have everything to be happy. Mm-hmm. Because they're not. They're quite miserable. Yeah. You know, and so I think, you know, this is the thing. I think when people are listening, I hope they just feel good about themselves. And you and I both have most of our shows. That's what we've done, you know, to tell people that they should take a little time for themselves and get, you know, feel good. Do you have any last words you'd like to say to people? Because sometimes, you know, at the end. Yes, to trust your process. We're always looking around and comparing and feeling, you know, not good enough. So, you know, trust your process the way you work. And whether it's writing or artwork or any anything you're doing, it's so easy to look and see what someone's doing over there. And, you know, right. it seems like it's working for them, but you don't know behind the scenes. Like there are a lot of people who talk about, oh, they plot, they this, they that. And then you talk to them in conversation, you actually know them. And come to find out that their process is actually a lot different than what they share in person or, you know, than what they put online. Yes, right, you know. Because in life, in real life, everybody has issues. Nobody has just a perfect straight line where everything works out. It just doesn't. You know, I think I wrote a quote. I think I wrote something on one of my, you know, that I found. Let's see if it's on here before we go. I, I put something out here. You, that, you know that you don't grow as much unless you when you have challenges that makes you grow you know mm-hmm. you change as a person because you're challenging yourself and we and once you go through challenges whatever you do will seem a lot easier for you to do because you've gone through it, challenges that were worse before so you can accept some of the things that are happening and just go well it could be worse Mm-hmm. So I think that that's it's always good to try to look, you know, at the brighter side of things. It sounds cliche, but it's true. I think I really yeah. believe that. You know, look for the good, not the bad. Very that's how true. I look at it. I know that's why we do shows together. <laughs> we kind of think the same. <laughs> <way>. <laughs> All right, thank you so much. It was great having you on and. Um, Next week, I, like, as I said, Vincent Zandry's on and Dick Belsky, and uh, we will be talking about many of the subjects about writing and TV and screenplays. And uh, Dick, well, I, Vincent, he has a YouTube, and he is very positive in telling authors how to just keep writing. So I kind of keep his words in my head and not care about things as much because he has really a lot of, that's what his basic thing is, just go for it. And I think we all have to hear that a lot, especially mm-hmm. as writers, just go, just do it, you know. So he'll be on. And um, that's it. So I, I want everybody to have a great day. I was going to say have a great weekend because it's only Tuesday now. It's not Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> have a great midweek. All right, thank you again, and have a great night. Bye. Thanks again. Bye-bye.
amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.